Good morning. This is Dana from Financially Compliant Solutions. I wanted to welcome you in today's show. And today we're going to dedicate um, the show to avoiding costly mistakes and processing students' financial aid. Uh, the reason for the topic today is because while I was reviewing a student's file for a client of mine, um, I will admit that this file sent me reeling. And uh, part of the reason why is because uh, the financial aid advisor clearly um, in this scenario unfortunately dropped the ball uh, with the student. And um, you'll understand more why once we go over this scenario. When reviewing the file, um, first of all, the student was enrolled, or is enrolled, I should say, in an 1800-hour clock hour program. The program has a 900-hour academic year definition, so we're in the first year of the program. And uh, the first red flag that went up in, when reviewing the file, for me, was the start date that was entered on the file, which was showing that the student had started back in January of 2019, which means that the student had started back in the 2018-2019 and award year, and uh, as of the day of review, still the file had not been awarded. Now, granted, um, there are scenarios where you have students that, you know, will go on leaves of absences, lengthy leaves of absences, but you can only, um, per the department guidelines, go on a leave of absence for six consecutive months in a 12-month period of time. And also, there are those um, situations where a student will go from full-time status to half-time status and then maybe go back, you know, switch back. And so that's understandable, but, um, in this case, the student, um, again, as of date of review, had completed almost 876 hours of the 900 hours for the first year and, um, again, had not been awarded. Um, to further complicate the situation, not only um, were we not able to get any money because of the deadlines that had passed on the 2018-2019 award year, but the student never completed the 2019-2020 FAFSA, which had been available to complete as of October 1st, 2019, and the deadline was June 30th of 2020. Um, which was only a few weeks ago. Uh, so having that information um, and starting to calculate the lost uh, financial aid as far as Pell Grant goes, the student basically lost their first and second, almost second disbursements of Pell Grant, which they are eligible to receive. Now, out of the 2018-2019 award year, we're talking $2,960 for the first Pell disbursement. And as the department guidelines dictate, if for some reason the student who crossed over based on their start date, they crossed over July 1st of 2019, that means that technically the first 
PayPal payment if it wasn't um, obtained out of 2018-2019. It could have been obtained out of the 2019-2020 award year. Which means that the student could have received $6,095 in Pell Grant. So the first disbursement would have been $3,097. Um, as of the date of review, uh, the student was still not able to be awarded um, because of these complicated factors, but also because of the 2020 uh 2021 file um, uh, compliance needed to be completed on that, meaning verification. Uh, so uh, while that was being um, completed and having to have that reviewed and rejected, um, it just really brought to light that, you know, here's a student that not only has um, been going to school for that length of time with no money that they were eligible to receive, but also the direct loans are now in jeopardy of being lost for that first year because as the department guidelines dictate, if the student completes 900 hours before being awarded, you cannot go back and award first year loans if the student has crossed over into their second year. And in this case, the student would have been, or is eligible for $3,500 in the subloan, just like any student would be. And uh, is also eligible in $6,000 in an unsum loan. So that's another $9,500 that potentially could be lost in aid um, if the student doesn't get awarded prior to completing those first 900 hours. So that is why I dedicated today's show um, to avoiding costly mistakes because not only is this costing the student, but the institution now is in jeopardy of losing um, the cost of attendance for the first year uh, happens to be close to $12,000. And um, you know, let's face it, $12,000 is $12,000 when it comes to the bottom line and the cost of education and for teachers being, um, or instructors, I should say, salaries, um, the school owner will be out that amount of money and uh, the student's going to be handed that bill. And let's face it, the student may not be able to pay that bill off the bat. So that means that the student's going to be having to make uh, payments to the school um, if uh, another, you know, form of payment cannot be arranged, such as another loan, which should not really be having to happen um, if we, the file can get awarded um, in a timely manner. Um, and it basically, it all comes down to a lack of training on the financial aid um, advisor's part. And... Um, it really took me aback when the financial aid advisor contacted uh, me on the file to ask me the status and then when informed that the um, file had um, 
red flags all over it that they were going to simply have the student complete the 2019-2020 uh, FAFSA. So right there, that tells me that this financial aid advisor had no idea that the deadline had passed as of June 30th. And as part of our jobs um, as a financial aid advisor, um, we are there to guide the students and we are there to also obtain the most aid available to the student. And granted, there are circumstances where I understand that, you know, um, it is left up to the financial aid advisor to obtain their own training. Um, but the resources are there for you. And while the job may be overwhelming and maybe it might not be the job for everyone, um, you're doing yourself and the student a disservice if you cannot keep up with the deadlines or the required training um, that is basically out there and, and available to you. Uh, back when I started as a financial aid advisor, there were no options to do online training like there are today. You physically had to go to trainings and the employer at the time I was working for was not one to spend money on training. And I can tell you that I ended up having to spend some of my own money to go to trainings um, when they were available. And uh, I uh, highly encourage anyone that is in the financial aid world that if you um, have an opportunity to uh, attend training and I'll be quite frank there's no excuse nowadays to not be able to attend training um, this department has a website specially set up for training and everything is in webinar format and it's pre-recorded and you can listen to the recordings all you have to do is register um, and also just keep in mind that as part of the requirement of uh, title for eligibility you need to um, obtain continuing education uh, credit unions, units throughout the award year um, to be able to um, show during program reviews and audits by the department. So having said that, um, I want to offer um, a free workshop that I am actually holding um, and it will be via Zoom and uh, the training is available to anyone that's interested. It's a free workshop um, and again there's no charge for it. It's totally free um, and I'm going to put together a uh, program and share some information with you and also provide you with the certificate of education, continuing education credit um, so that you can use that because with COVID um, this year, it's a little bit um, harder if you to attend uh, any trainings. And to be quite frank, um, there's only a few um, in companies that I know of out there that um, do provide the continuing education uh, credits. And so it's going to be held on Thursday, uh, July 30th, beginning at 10 a.m., and uh, it will go for approximately four hours uh, to get the information there to you that you need. Um, be going over the updates 
from uh, the department regarding COVID. Also, um, the new award year, um, the verification uh, requirements and um, how to uh, package your institutions or your um, students' files, I should say, for those that are in unique situations with overlapping academic year, and um, how to identify those files and how to handle them. Um, and so I would um, welcome anyone, again, who is interested in attending. And um, if you are interested in attending, just go to the website at dasfinancialaidconsultingservices.com and you can sign up right there. And uh, we will be um, looking forward to um, helping everyone um, get their continuing education credits and also providing the knowledge um, that you know we currently have to share with y'all um, to avoid the costly mistakes um, in processing students' uh, financial aid. And um, again, I, I'm just here to help. Um, and it's been 14 years that I've been in this business. And uh, I literally, there are times that I will wake up in the middle of the night thinking about a file. And um, maybe the, to some of you, that seems a bit odd. Um, but I guess that's just uh, me and uh my authenticity um, is that I just feel that I am here to help and that's what my capacity or um, what's been given to me to share my information so that I can help others um, and help students. And uh, that is my passion. And uh, so that's why I created Financial Aid Compliance Solutions um, and the consulting service and why I'm here um, for this podcast. So I really appreciate y'all um, joining me today and I hope you help as some of this information has been a little bit helpful um, with the story and also the offering of the free workshop. And um, as always, if you have any questions, um, you can direct them to me um, at my email under danderson at dasfinancialaidconsultingservices.com. Um, also on Twitter, check it out. Uh, the Twitter handle is at DAS Fine Aid. And uh, I'm on Facebook at DAS Financial Aid Consulting Services and also um, LinkedIn. Catch me on LinkedIn at D Dana Anderson. And uh, looking forward to um, hopefully seeing or many of you on the uh, workshop and uh, hope everyone has a great weekend, staying safe, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care.